30 seconds has begun. Chair, staff is ready when you are. Thank you, Heather. Good evening, everybody. We will call this meeting to order. We are at the City of Sacramento Planning and Design Commission meeting. Today is Thursday, September 28th, 2023. The time is 5.35 p.m. Clerk, will you please call the roll to establish a quorum? Thank you, Chair. Commissioner Jean? Here. Commissioner Chase? Here. Commissioner Lamas? Commissioner Buckley? Absent. Commissioner Caden? Here. Commissioner Macias Reed? Absent. Commissioner Young? Absent. Vice Chair Wallace? Here. Commissioner Boyd? Absent. Commissioner Andrade? Absent. Commissioner Thompson? Here. And Chair Hernandez? Here. Um, thank you, Chair. We have quorum. Thank you, Heather. For members of the public who are tuning in, the City of Sacramento has discontinued public participation via Zoom, so we will no longer provide instructions. If you would like to comment on any item now and going forward, please use the e-comment feature online. You can email staff or commissioners or join us in person at City Hall. Uh, we will now move on to the land acknowledgement. Please rise for the opening acknowledgements in honor of Sacramento's indigenous people and tribal lands. To the Nisenan, excuse me, to the original people of this land, the Nisenan people, the Southern Maidu, Valley and Plains Miwok, Pudwind Wintum people, and the people of Wilton Rancheria, Sacramento's only federally recognized tribe. May we acknowledge and honor the native people who came before us and still walk beside us today on these ancestral lands by choosing to gather today in the active practice of acknowledgement and appreciation for Sacramento's indigenous people's history, contributions, and lives. Thank you. Please remain standing for the Pledge of Allegiance. I pledge allegiance to the flag of the United States of America and to the republic for which it stands, one nation, under God, indivisible, with liberty and justice for all. Thank you. You may be seated. Uh, we do not have a director's report today, so we'll move on to the consent calendar. This is item number one, approval of the meeting minutes uh, for August 24th and September 14th. Clerk, are there any members of the public who wish to speak on this item? Thank you, Chair. I have no speaker slips for this item. Thank you very much. So, uh, members, we will need two separate motions for each set of meeting minutes. Um, I understand there were a few absences, so you can abstain um, on any particular meeting minutes where you were not able to make it to the meeting. So I'm looking for a motion to approve the minutes for August 24th meeting. Vice Chair Wallace. So moved. We have a motion by Vice Chair Wallace. Commissioner Caden. Second. And we have a second to approve the mi minutes of August 24th. Clerk, will you please call the roll? Mike. Thank you, Chair. Commissioner Zhang? Abstain. Uh, Commissioner Chase? Uh, aye. Commissioner Lamas? Aye. Commissioner Buckley? Absent. Commissioner Caden? Aye. 
Uh, Commissioner Macias-Reed? Absent. Commissioner Young? Absent. Vice Chair Wallace? Aye. Commissioner Boyd is absent. Commissioner Andrade, absent. Commissioner Thompson? Aye. And Chair Hernandez? Aye. Okay. The motion did not pass. Okay, we will continue that item to the next meeting. I wonder. Uh, we will now move on to the meeting minutes of September 14th. Uh, I need a motion and a second, and if now would be a time to make comments as well. Commissioner Lee, excuse me, Commissioner Zhang. I make a motion to approve the um, September 14th minutes. Thank you very much. We have a motion by Commissioner Zhang for approval of the September 14th minutes. Vice Chair Wallace. I will second. I have a second. Uh, Quick, will you please call the roll? Thank you, Chair. Commissioner Zhang? Aye. Commissioner Chase? Abstain. Commissioner Lamas? Abstain. Commissioner Buckley? Absent. Commissioner Caden? Aye. Commissioner Macias-Reed? Absent. Commissioner Young? Absent. Vice Chair Wallace? Commissioner Boyd, absent. Commissioner Andrade, absent. Commissioner Thompson? Aye. And Chair Hernandez? Aye. The, the motion did not pass. Thank you. So we will also continue this item to the next meeting. Thank you, everybody. Uh, we do not have any public hearing items, so we'll move on to the two items that we have on the discussion calendar. Um, first up is item number two. This is the 2024 Planning and Zoning Work Program file ID 2023-01147. We have a staff presentation by Greg Sandland. Greg, whenever you're ready. Well, good evening, Chair Hernandez, members of the Commission, Greg Sandlin, Planning Director. Uh, pleased to present the draft 2024 Planning and Zoning Work Program. This is the fourth year we have done this, um, presenting a comprehensive overview of what we plan on doing in terms of policy initiatives in the next calendar year. And additionally, um, I first go through uh, an evaluation of, of sorts of the prior year, what we accomplished, what we're still working on, um, the remaining calendar year, um, things we didn't anticipate, um, and things we started. So um, I, I think this is a great uh, opportunity to let the commission know um, about the various things, the full scope of what we're doing, also the public, and eventually this does go to council, and I can get to, into that process now. So. Um, Right now, September, we're presenting, I'm presenting the initial draft work program, getting your comments and questions. Um, what I jot down, um, I can get back to you on if I don't answer it, but of course, I'll, I'll bring it back in the staff report um, in November, our responses, any modifications to the work program, and then 
I'd be requesting the commission for the work program to council. Um, before it goes to council, we will be checking in at law legislation to get their feedback. Um, and then we hope to have the work program approved in January 2024. So we'll start with the 2023 work program evaluation. Um, plenty of work this year. Uh, most notably, I would say, is the public review draft 2040 general plan, climate action and adaptation plan, as well as the master environmental impact report. They've been completed, drafted. Uh, we finished the public review period for the 2040 general plan. We're taking comments and we'll be, for, uh, we'll be before the commission on November 29th with uh, our responses to those comments, red lines for the commission review. Um, and the public review period for the master environmental impact report uh, will be complete on October 10th. Um, we launched the ADU permit ready plans in January. We've advertised more of the ADU resource center. Um, not sure if the commission is aware of this, but delighted to announce that we um, received over $13 million from SACOG's Green Means Go program to pay for utility infrastructure that supports infill development. Um, so paying for a sump pump in River District, a sewer line along Del Paso Boulevard, um, various uh, water line completions for different projects. So um, really exciting pilot program that I feel like the city uh, took good advantage of. Um, we lost that, launched the housing development toolkit, just outlining the resources for housing developers, helping explain the process. Um, we received a $2.5 million pro-housing pilot grant um, just by the nature of uh, being a pro-housing city um, and just the overall size of our population, we were awarded that amount. Received the American Planning Association's Award of Excellence for the Community Ambassador Program, um, which I believe you may be familiar with, but it's um, various community ambassadors from representing languages, cultures in our city, um, and it helps with that type of fluency in our engagement, um, creating more wellness, awareness of, of various city initiatives, um, planning work we're doing, and also getting feedback from those community ambassadors in terms of what we're hearing um, in the community. Uh, we have the public review draft, existing building electrification strategy out currently, um, getting comments on that. We've completed modeling of five drainage basins using a state grant. This is really helpful in helping to make infill development more predictable in terms of the type of exactions we would need to require uh, for drainage infrastructure. Um, and then uh, some, something that took quite a lot of work was adapting uh, our ADU permit processing or our process to comply with state law we no longer have ADU plans um, being submitted for zoning conformance. That's not allowed under state law. So now ADU submittals go straight to the building permit process. We've developed a pre-application uh, meeting to help identify troubleshoot things, but um, that took some adjustment. Some of the projects we've initiated also revisions to vehicle and bike parking requirements. And I'll speak more of that in a minute. Um, River District specific plan update. We have a contract going to council in October um, for consultant assistance. And then housing element program 15, 
special needs housing, updates to our planning and development code to permit a greater variety of special needs housing such as SROs, um, navigation centers, in compliance with state law but also going further in allowing um, the market to, to respond to various housing needs, particularly for extremely low-income individuals. Uh, so more to come on that. Some of the remaining work we'll be doing in 2023 is uh, we're starting our parking working groups in this month, uh, or in, in October, or not in October yet. Two commissioners are serving on those. Um, digital kiosks. We have sign more ordinance amendments and a program developed that's going to Law and Ledge um, in October to permit these in the public right-of-way. That's actually next Tuesday, if you're interested. Um, that same afternoon, uh, next Tuesday, North Sacramento interim ordinance on trucking uses. Um, this is an expedited ordinance in response to our concerns about trucking uses um, that are adjacent to single family uh, or residential uh, uses. They're permitted by right. So this, this ordinance would require a conditional use permit for those uses um, for greater review. Um, we'll be bringing our missing middle housing preliminary recommendations to the commission as well as council in October. Um, we'll be sharing the Marysville El Paso Boulevard action plan. Um, our public view draft age-friendly action plan will be released in November. We'll be taking our 102-acre Meadowview uh, opportunity and constraints analysis to council on that site in November. And then also our mixed-income housing preliminary recommendations will be going to um, this commission as well as council in November um, for their confirmation. So quite a lot of work still going on in the calendar year. Some work that wasn't anticipated in this year in 2023 is tenant policy research directed by the Law and Ledge Committee. Um, really, we're in a support role for code enforcement that um, administers the tenant protection um, program. Um, also, the city, county, and SHRA have been developing an affordable housing plan. This is really a plan uh, to address homelessness through strategies including permanent supportive housing and rapid rehousing. Um, and so that should be going to Council Board of Supervisors um, in the fall. And then also we've been researching programs in the state, across the country, on vacant property taxes, um, such as in Oakland and San Francisco, D.C., um, that help to incentivize the development of vacant lots as well as generate income for things like affordable housing. So. Um, we are looking at potentially a council workshop on that in December. So um, at this point, I'll move on to the draft planning and zoning work program. Uh, new this year is that we've organized the initiatives by topic or geography, so citywide policies, housing policy, neighborhood and community planning, climate policy, and some just generally the ongoing programmatic work that our uh, policy planners need to do. Um, this was recommended by the Law and Legislation Committee last year. And I think it's been helpful to just look at it at a glance, just how much is devoted work is devoted to housing policy and the like. So that's, I'll be walking through that now. Citywide policy, uh, our key priority is to 
get the 2040 general plan adopted so we can move on to implementation. Quite a lot of work, um, just the amount of internal outreach, working with city departments, making sure that the folks that are gonna implement a lot of these actions, policies are, are in the know and we have buy-in, obviously working with the community. But um, as I noted, we'll, we'll be at the, the commission on November 29th with our, our red line drafts and hopefully uh, the general plan can be adopted by February 2024. Um, another key work item is uh, there's a stack of new bills on the governor's desk. Um, many of them pertain to housing often. Um, the annual update of ADU regulations and density bonus law, um, certainly, but uh, other things that we might need to adjust impacting building processes and the like. So um, Kevin's team is, is constantly monitoring this and looking at um, what needs to be implemented first. Organic waste, uh, just a few years ago, was state required that organic waste be required um, in existing and in new development. And so this does create a site planning issue and that in some cases we might need another dumpster or facilities for organic waste. So we'll be working on our code to develop some, some reasonable requirements based on the type of the development, but also in conjunction with the missing metal housing. So um, those two are informing each other. Age-friendly action plan, as I noted, public review draft will be released in the fall and we hope to have that adopted after the 2040 general plan in winter or spring of 2024. Um, general plan, implementation, once the general plan is adopted, our next big move is to look at um, a planning and development code update, rezoning uh, parts of the city for general plan consistency, looking at things like removing maximum density standards in multi-unit commercial and industrial zones, um, and uh, there's quite a list there in the, uh, the implementation action of things we'd like to do. So we hope to have uh, that initiated, but completed likely more like in 2025. Cannabis code amendments. Um, happy to announce we have a new senior planner starting on Monday. Um, and his first job as a senior planning and zoning will be working on the analysis, the community engagement, drafting of um, code amendments. Um, and so we hope to have those, we'll have a workshop with the commission in the spring and code amendments uh, drafted in the fall. Um, the omnibus am amendments, or what we call the bundle, um, these are various technical updates to the Planning and Development Code, feedback we get from staff and others um, over the year. And so that is scheduled for Planning and Design Commission on the 9th, and then Council, we hope to have uh, adopting that ordinance in 20, early 2024. And we already have a, a nice long list for the next round of, of technical changes. So we, we, we would like to do this each year to keep our code um, up to date and uh, responsive to uh, what we see on the ground, so to speak. So housing policy. Uh, we were recently here to share a lot of our background information on the mixed income housing ordinance. We're working on a framework, recommended um, uh, basically revisions to the draft ordinance, and um, that's the next step in November for council. Uh, confirmation of those, those changes, and yeah, as I said earlier, 
adoption in the spring. Um, I noted permit requirements for special needs housing that we began work on last year. Um, and we will have a, a workshop here in early 2024. It's gonna be so much policy you, you will all be reviewing uh, in the next year. Density bonus ordinance update. Um, we've been wanting to do this for some years now. Uh, it's, I think it's pretty critical in that we are getting more density bonus requests. And so updating our code um, in conformance with the latest density bonus law, as well as providing guidelines for just ease of interpretation for staff and applicants. So we'd like to have that done by the end of the next year. Um, we're kicking off an affordable housing and infill development educational campaign. Um, this is uh, part of our housing element. Um, we do, of course, our, our planning academy every year, but uh, we're thinking of some kind of broader-based campaign to increase understanding of the benefits of good, sustainable infill development, affordable housing, people understanding how our process works. So um, that we hope to have completed by the fall of 2024. Our universal design ordinance, um, another housing element implementation program is looking to expand the scope of that ordinance as well as improving public awareness. We get the idea that people don't even know that they can ask for these universal design features in new housing, um, even though a lot of plans are being reviewed for these, these uh, access options. Uh, we don't get a lot of requests from what I understand. So community engagement and working on the scope of the ordinance next year. Um, we have in our housing element a midterm evaluation. Um, so we're looking at a council workshop on just the overall effectiveness, how we've implemented the housing element thus far. That'll be in the spring. Movable tiny homes, where we've been intrigued by other ordinances in other cities that permit um, tiny homes on wheels uh, as accessory dwelling units. Our urban design managers are really excited about this. So um, we'd like to start researching this and have recommendations and an ordinance drafted by winter of next year. Updates to the Tenant Protection Act, uh, the city's Tenant Protection Act. The program sunsets by 2024. We also have direction in our housing element um, to address that. And so we'll be looking at outreach data collection in spring and summer. Missing middle housing study, as I noted, that'll be before the commission on October 12th with our preliminary recommendations, um, with final recommendations by the end of the year. And then we'll start working on updating code and design standards um, by the fall. Again, this would be in conjunction with the overall planning and development update coordinated with that. So hopefully adoption by the end of 2024. Neighborhood and community planning. Um, with a new general plan, we need to have the, what the state requires, vertical consistency uh, with our other planning documents. So um, we're looking at any necessary amendments to our specific plans um, and updates by 2024 so we have that consistency. Speaking of specific plans, Stockton Boulevard specific plan, the uh, public review draft is scheduled to be released in October, on October, oh, I'm sorry, the workshop on the public review draft will be on October 26th. Um, we'd release the draft EIR um, this winter, and then adoption would 
uh, follow shortly after the 2040 general plan. The plan is using a lot of the growth assumptions and land use um, uh, regulations of the 2040 general plan. That's why it has to, to follow. River district specific plan. Um, excited to have a consultant selected and moving forward with that, we're certainly looking at the circulation element and just generally reflecting the amount of growth that has happened since the plan's been adopted and new growth we anticipate. Um, it's a good plan, but it, it definitely needs an update. Uh, forward together, uh, commission will be uh, reviewing this action plan uh, on October 26th. So this is, is, is new in that we traditionally work on a specific plans and other types of land use policies. This is more an action plan for inclusive economic development along Marysville and Del Paso Boulevard. And uh, that implementation is gonna be powered by grants um, offered through economic development um, next year. The city owned the 102 acre site. Uh, our consultants are wrapping up their analysis on opportunities and constraints for that site. And so as I noted earlier, we'll be at council in, in November. We'll have community engagement in the winter and then come back to council for uh, formal direction on the long-term land uses and the type of planning we'll be doing uh, subsequently. Neighborhood Development Action Team. Uh, some of the things they'll be working on next year is updating the on-call consultant list that they had uh, created uh, originally. Um, a few years ago, this is just a bench of consultants with outreach, technical expertise. that allows the team to be more nimble and responsive to community demands. Um, they're, they're now uh, moving ahead with their implementa implementation grant program, um, which they'll be presenting to council on October 24th. Um, this grant program is one of the reasons is that it's, helped to have, it's helpful to have grants identified, money identified for implementation as we're creating these plans. And I, we believe it's gonna help generate more community enthusiasm for the plans because they see that there's actually money um, to get things going. Um, of course, working on implementing other specific plans like West Broadway, uh, more community education and training and continuing the community ambassador program. On to climate policy, um, we'll be uh, hopefully having the existing building electrification strategy approved um, in spring of 2024. The public review draft is available until mid-December. Also, under the climate topic is revisions to vehicle and bike parking requirements. Uh, as I noted, we're, we're getting going with the, um, the working groups, our consultants developing a lot of background information to share with those working groups. We're coordinating with the parking division and the transportation demand management team. And so we hope to have preliminary recommendations on um, those updates to our code um, in spring of 2024. Other things in terms of implementing the soon to be adopted climate action and adaptation plan is um, we'll have a monitoring and an annual report, but really looking at heat reduction in the public and I would say also the private realm. Um, looking at the built environment, our development standards, um, cooling landscape standards, heat resilient design techniques, minimum tree requirements for new development, 
take another look at our parking lot shading ordinance, which is definitely needs update, an update, particularly the guidelines, um, heat reduction in parks. So um, really trying to adapt to our, our changing climate. And this, this we still don't have milestones or, or how to go about this, but this is this year, uh, next year is, is where we're really gonna look at these different heat reduction strategies. And then healthy food initiatives, um, really improving access to healthy food. Our planning staff will develop a, a healthy food initiatives partnership with various agencies and community partners so we can start assessing, designing, and implementing these, these food initiatives, particularly in areas um, underserved by healthy food resources. And then lastly, just some of the examples of ongoing programmatic work that um, planners that primarily work in policy um, need, still need to work on, work, uh, deal with in their day job is uh, the Planning Academy, um, which is a wonderful program. Application is now open uh, in, ooh, double in, in December 2023, um, and the 22nd class will start in October 20, early 2024. And then planning counter support, um, there's monthly rotations of planners helping with email inquiries and other county uh, assistance. It's, it's good for planners that are developing policy to, to be familiar with how their policy is implemented. So, um, yeah, that is essentially the, the work program um, at this point. Um, some just things to note is just increased staff capacity now where we'll have 15 full-time planners plus a quarter of Kevin's time um, working on these various initiatives. Um, I will be hoping to get a senior planner for housing policy, we'll be proposing that for council's consideration in the upcoming budget. Um, we certainly need more leadership and with all the housing policy initiatives we have. Um, and I'll just note, uh, I have attached the draft 2040 general plan implementation actions in the staff report, just for, your, for you to note, that's really looking at what we're looking to do in the near term, midterm, and long term um, in implementing the plan. And so I have the work program in the slides if you want to refer to any portion of it. But um, at that point, this point, I'm happy to answer any questions you have. And we also have Matt Hurdle, our Long Range Planning Manager, and Kevin Collin, our Zoning Administrator, um, to answer any questions. Thank you very much, Greg. Uh, we will first open up uh, the public comment period. Um, I see a few members of the public who are with us today um, and encourage you all to come up uh, if you have any comments to make. I didn't neglect to announce in the beginning that we do have speaker slips, but um, if you want to come up now would be a good time and we can address the speaker slips after the fact. Hearing and seeing no one from the public coming up to the podium. Oh, okay, great. Future planner. As I see, getting her exposed early, love it. Welcome. Are you come up to the microphone, please? Hi, Thank I'm you. Sophia Bell Bagenstoss. Um, we go to Bell Cool Edge Library Park like every single day, and we have a really great group of parents, and it's like a lot of homeschooling families, a lot of unhoused families, and everyone from like different races, and um, we don't have an outdoor public restroom there. We just have the indoor one, so like when it gets close to six o'clock, the kids who are 
like unhoused will ask what time it is and try to get all their younger siblings together so they can try to use the bathrooms before it's closed. And it's just a really good spot. The only thing that's there, it hasn't been done since like 1995. There's a wall of handprints, which is when I was born, 1995. And it would be a perfect spot for bathrooms. So that's why me and Amethyst have been screaming in the back. We just really like our park. Uh, yeah. Thank you. Thank you so much. Thank you for your comments. Chair, I have no other speakers for this item. Thank you very much. And Oh, please. Yes, come, come up. Um, hi, my name is Ariana. And I'm a student at UC Davis studying design, which is kind of why I wanted to come here today to see what's going on and get more involved. Also, I love the idea about Bell Coolidge Library. I used to go there as a kid. My grandma used to take me there. Um, one thing that really stood out to me during your presentation, which was really well done, um, was the housing for the homeless and the tiny homes and how it'll take all the way until winter of 2024. Um, personally, to me, that's kind of shocking. It seems really long, and I was watching like this video the other day, and I got kind of inspired where people are taking the empty spaces on top of parking garage garages because, I mean, yeah, parking garages because a lot of people are working from home, and that space is unutilized. And so I was wondering if that has possibly been looked into about putting tiny homes on top of parking structures. Also, maybe partnering with, like, I don't know, corporations. Because um, also I see so many empty parking lots. I have this obsession with parking lots lately. And, like, especially in, like, grocery stores, like, most of it's unutilized. And I just kind of wonder if there's a way to think differently and try to beautify those parking spaces and turning them into maybe pretty pathways with trees and then tiny homes to get these people housing, because I don't know, for me it also, it's like, it, it really hit me today, like walking in here, um, just seeing, I counted at least 15 people in the park outside. All of them have stories, all of them are people, and I don't know, I don't think they can wait till 2024. And yeah, that's what I have to say. So much. Thank you for listening. Any other members of the public who wish to speak on this item? Thank you, Chair. No, I have no other speakers. Thank you so much. I uh, appreciate you both, all of you being here, and both of you coming up and making comments. Um, Sophia, we received your e-comments as well, and um, uh, we have already informed the appropriate uh, staff at the Parks and Recreation Department, so they'll be following up with you. Um, it's really important to know that kind of information from the community level, um, and also very much appreciate your comments as well um, on homelessness issues. So you're coming to the, to the right meeting at the right time, um, and so now we'll, we'll close the public comment period and open it up for discussion amongst the commissioners. Um, first, I have Commissioner Chase. Thank you, Chair. Uh, Greg, thanks. It was an excellent presentation. <clears throat> a lot of work done and a lot of work ahead of you. Uh, I could see that. Uh, just a, a couple of questions. Uh, back to the beginning, how many ADUs have we permitted uh, so far in the city? Matt, you want to take a shot at that? 
Yeah, we've seen each year uh, an uptick. I would say last year uh, it was in the 280, don't quote me, range. Uh, we got 350 applications, and I think that's we're going to see an uptick this year as well. And one thing to note in terms of the permit-ready plans that were released this, this year, we have eight of those in process with building right now. So that's really exciting to see folks using those permit-ready plans. We're, we're doing more uh, to get the word out about that. In fact, we just uh, mailed 54,000 postcards to property owners around the city uh, using the last bit of our SB2 planning grant money to really kind of push that. And we're doing a, a workshop next week around it too. So really hoping to encourage folks to do that. So the plans are free, right, to uh, uh, people that want them. They would then be reviewed for site-specific uh, uh, issues. Uh, okay, great, yes. thanks. Yeah, I look forward to seeing that program uh, carried on. Greg, you mentioned the, the Marysville-Del Paso uh, action plan. Is that different than an NDAT for Del Paso or similar uh, to what's been done on Stockton? Uh, it's the same one. Yeah, it's done through the, the Neighborhood Development Action Team. Okay, okay. Uh, that's good. I look forward to that. Uh, that starting too. Um, a question: what, What's what was the trigger for uh, the uh, a cannabis update uh, being needed? Uh, council had initiated it, um, a comprehensive, a citywide uh, study on cannabis um, that has been now cited in various cannabis applications. That study went to Lawn Ledge and Council um, along with recommendations pertaining to hand, uh, land use, um, permitting, taxation. Um, and so we had a, a workshop um, with uh, the commission on those council land use recommendations. Was it in August of 2022? Um, and uh, we're gonna pick that up and um, move forward with that direction. Uh, now that we have the staff resources, we were down a senior planner and zoning for a bit now. And um, the uh, <clears throat> the study that the consultant did on the uh, you know cannabis, the the effects or lack of effects on property value and everything was was great. It was so right. valuable to counter a lot of the issues that come up. Has the city considered doing anything similar to that uh, related to affordable housing? Because a lot of the same issues come up. Uh, yeah, I mean, I I do think we have a. Some studies that show how affordable housing does not impact property values, we certainly could cite that, um, particularly in our in our community outreach. Um, but uh, yeah, there still are concerns out there on, um, about the impacts of affordable housing, and certainly uh, looking at different studies um, and using information at our disposal in that campaign will be. You know, I've had to deal with it in my neighborhood of opposition to a project that was <clears throat> proposed over on Arden. And, uh, you know, essentially I designed affordable housing for decades and trying to convince the neighbors, no, it's not going to reduce your property values. Uh, again, it would be helpful to have something like that cannabis study to back that up. Now that that project is finished and open, the neighbors are thinking, oh, this is a really good project. So uh, it's getting through that, that phase, right. I think. Um, and my last question is kind of a, I guess, uh, hypothetical one, what ever happened to form-based zoning? Uh, it was big and it just kind of fell off the table. Are, is it? I, I feel like it's gonna be coming back with missing middle housing um, in many respects and also with our, our city pivoting to a um, FAR-based uh, approach to, to residential development. Um, 
getting out of the, the density regulations. So uh, I, on, uh, it's coming up on the 12th. Um, there's going to be a lot of form for you to consider in terms of for the missing middle housing approach throughout the city at, at different intensities depending on the context. Um, but I don't know if we had anything else to add. Thank you very much. Excellent presentation. Thank you, Chair. Thank you, Commissioner Chase. Next, we have Commissioner Lamas. Thank you, Chair. Um, thank you for the presentation. Thanks to the community members for their public comments. I just had some clarifying questions so that I can understand a little bit better. Um, and just some out of curiosity. So you mentioned there was an infill grant um, to help bring um, in, uh, infrastructure to encourage infill development. Um, you said it was a pilot program, so have those funds been fully expended or allocated, or is there still an ongoing effort to try to get money out there to bring infrastructure to infill lots to encourage development? Right, so the, the awards have been made, um, but the agreements um, for how they're going to be implemented, that's, that's just rolling out right now, okay. my understanding. So um, uh, a lot of this is worked directly between SACOG and our utilities department. In planning, we help to convene, identify projects, brainstorm the most impactful infrastructure investments. Um, but really, at this point, it's it's utilities helping to working to put that infrastructure in, get reimbursed for their time and cost. And um, Mr. Caden, if you have any clarification on how this is rolling out, I put you on the spot. Sure. Um, so that. That set of grants was um, provided to us by the state as a part of our lobbying effort, our being, sorry, wearing my SACOG hat, not the Planning Commission. Um, it was a one-time pot of funding. There's an effort to um, continue to look for future funding um, to support uh, sort of the non-sexy infrastructure that really makes a lot of infill possible. Um, it's the type of stuff that costs a lot of money that typically does not have a lot of grant funding available for, so a lot of sewer water type infrastructure, and that was the intention behind Green Means Go. Um, so the hope is that we can um, continue to lobby the state for more funding for that, but as of now, that was a one-time pot of funding. Thank you both for the, those updates. It sounds like a great program, great initiative, and hopefully there's more of it in Sacramento. Um, I also had a question about um, the cannabis updates. Um, I know some of the questions that have come up when we were considering approvals were um, caps or numbers of approvals that were allowed by the city. Is that something that's being considered, or is this code update in terms of cannabis very specific to just getting in alignment with existing law, or, or can you walk us through a little bit of what that's going to look like? One of those recommendations is to look at the, the cap that is in District 6 in the industrial area, and I believe to remove distribution from that cap and have the cap applied to cultivation. Um, and also, we are looking at um, approved projects that have not come in to get their business permits and, and move ahead. So some of those entitlements might be expiring, which impacts the cap that we did hit um, recently. So. If you have anything to add, Kevin. Okay. Perfect. Thank you for that. Uh, my, my next question was about the, um, there was a mention 
and I forget at what part of the presentation, but there was a mention about um, incorporating navigation centers into some kind of a plan. So uh, in terms of navigation centers, is, are these centers for housing navigators to connect individuals who are homeless to homeless services um, that the city's trying to designate some locations to? Um, no, a navigation center is a, a defined term in state law that is a homeless shelter um, with limited barriers of entry. And um, they, these shelters need to be permitted by right um, in certain contexts and zones. Um, and so we need to update our code to be consistent with state law. Okay. For the housing element. Okay, thank you for that clarification. Uh, and then my last question was about, um, I believe there was a mention about specific plans being updated and being having a vertical alignment, right, with state law. Yeah. Um, does that mean all the specific plans are gonna be updated or just the ones that were referenced in the presentation? Um, I th we need to evaluate those specific plans to see which ones need to be updated for consistency. So I don't know if that entails all of them at this point or it's I guess my to be determined. Is, is South Natoma's specific plan going to be going through an update? Um, well, the South Natoma's community plan is being updated in the general plan. Oh, um, community plan, I'm sorry. Yeah, okay, so, so that is that is getting things? an update. Yeah, a specific plan is, a community plan with our general plan is, is part of the general plan. It has more specific policies general plan policies for it specific to an area, um, whereas a specific plan is a standalone plan document, has to be consistent with the general plan, but it gets a lot more into greater detail. Um, often it has a finance plan, infrastructure plan, circulation elements, um, unique standards uh, that apply to development there. They're accompanied by a special planning district. And you also get some environmental streamlining that comes with it if you want to, if you have an EIR. So um, so the Central City specific plan, West Broadway specific plan, River District Rail Yards, um, Center, Sacramento Center for Innovation, um, Stockton, which is going to be new. So those are the ones, Swanston specific plan, um, those are the ones that are coming to mind. Swanston Station. Okay, okay. Okay, thank you for that clarification. So it sounds like so no updates were going to be made to any of the community plans as part of this general plan? Well, they are. That is that is definitely under the scope of the general plan. We have been updating all 10 of our community plans. So um, definitely encourage you to check out the, the South Natomas one, compare with, between what's in 2035 general plan and the, the one that's, that's out right now. Okay, perfect. Thank you for that clarification. And that yields my time. Thank you, Commissioner Lamas. Next, we have Vice Chair Wallace. Uh, thank you, Chair. Hey, Greg. I just have a couple of questions. Um, one is related to the comment that um, the design student made <laughs> um, about um, movable tiny homes. Um, so I think that a lot of people think, and I think this too, and so I'm, I'm open to being corrected, uh, that if we could um, expedite the ability to purchase and install movable tiny homes. We could make a lot more progress on our goals around ADUs and on our goals around housing the unhoused. And so I was wondering if you could uh, dispel me of that notion if I'm wrong or explain what is the, what, there's some regulatory barriers that I think everybody faces 
um, in terms of trying to implement this? Certainly, I, I think for when you're using the tiny homes for ADUs, we're all for it. We're going to be looking at this. Um, the trick with an ADU um, that's on wheels is its connection to sewer and water and making sure that's done in a, a sanitary, safe way. Um, the foundation for that uh, ADU potentially, um, whether it stays on the wheels or whatnot, and and just where it can be located. Um, but generally, I, we found some good ordinances and we're, we're all for it. Um, then tiny homes for, uh, let's say, in, in, in public property uh, to help um, address homelessness, um, it's less of a, a policy thing. We have an emergency ordinance right now in place that allows that. The camping cabins consistent with the building code um, in church parking lots and vacant lots. Um, private sector is, is, is able to do that right now administratively. We've had one person, I think, take that up and they do have um, tiny homes on wheels. And it's, it's a great setup. It's just a lot of people on the private side of things, they're looking for city subsidy assistance. And so a lot of um, housing options are, it's more of a programmatic uh, situation that's handled through our Department of Public Works um, and other departments to to find sites. It's often on city-owned sites. Right now the city manager has been tasked with going and setting up some, some shelters. So um, from the planning side of things, we certainly want to allow the private sector to do this, in both in ADUs on wheels, but also to, to help with addressing homelessness. Um, but yeah, it's, it's, the, it's the cost, the operating subsidies um, that are expensive and different regulations that pertain to these structures. Great. Okay, I just have one other question. Um, as the former arts commissioner, I have to ask about the entertainment district overlay. <laughs> um, I just wanted to point, uh, just flag that the um, Responsible Hospitality Initiative, Social City Initiative is also happening. And so um, when we do get around to that, working with those folks and doing some concurrence there would be uh, probably a good idea. Absolutely. I see, our Community Development Department will certainly be involved um, with, with some of that work, potentially looking at a sound ordinance to adjust that, to help promote more live music and a context-sensitive way. We have added, uh, this is getting very technical, but in the general plan, we have added um, a sound ordinance update in our sub list of subsequent projects evaluated by our master EIR, so that would help with the CEQA clearance for that ordinance work. So we're, we're teeing that up. We're, we're working with um, uh, Megan Vanvore. He's on that and um, helping to implement, assisting with that. But yeah, whether that falls in code enforcement or planning, uh, the staff resources to, to implement those plans are TBD. Right. Okay. I have no other questions. Thank you. Thank you, Vice Chair Wallace. Next, we have Commissioner Caden. Thanks, Chair. And um, thanks, Greg, and to, to your staff for all the hard work you have um, that you've been doing this year and you have ahead of you this next year. Um, I, a couple of just quick questions. So the... First one was 
um, about the density bonus law update. So you mentioned, um, of course, changes to state law, and so there's an intention early in the year to bring um, city code up to up to state law code. Um, and then, but then separately, there's also this city initiated. Um, intention to update the density bonus law and potentially go beyond state law, as I understand it. Curious um, on the timing on that, is the intention to bring kind of like an interim update to, you know, bring us up to state standard early in the year and then, you know, the, the larger city initiated density bonus effort is later in the year or is it all going to be wrapped up together, you think? They wrapped up together. I mean, right now our practice is, um, our ordinance is out of date, but state law prevails. And so we reference state law. We look at um, various guidelines and summaries produced um, when applicants come in uh, proposing a density bonus. Um, but it's just it, it's just getting time to to address this because it's it's a lot of work for staff and applicants to navigate what the latest requirements are. So. The idea is we'd have a relatively simple code section saying, uh, you know, pointing to the state law, but then we would have guidelines that um, we can adjust more frequently, easily, um, that are unique to the city um, to help create that, that transparency. It's just a matter of identifying the staff um, to work on that. We have a lot of other housing policy, um, and so, yeah, it's just, getting the staff resources, I'd, I'd love to. I last updated in 2013, that was the last time. Uh, but yeah, it's, it's every year there's a new change in law. Yeah, hard, hard to keep up, understand. Um, it does seem like, so it sounds like that is gonna be along the same timeline as a lot of the, the zoning code updates, which are um, slated for the later uh, uh, fourth quarter I think in the in the work plan, I was having a hard time a little bit disentangling oh. which of those efforts that are all kind of slated for adoption in Q4 are like wrapped up in this like omnibus update to the zoning code, or if they're or like what are kind of split apart because it did seem like parking, for example, is on its own track despite being on the same timeline, but then all of this other stuff is kind of like wrapped up in a single zoning code update. I'm wondering if you can just kind of talk about those moving pieces or if they're all kind of a part of the same thing. That's a great question. Um, uh, difficult to answer. Um, it depends, I think, on the um, how aggressive we want to go in updating the planning development code um, and rezoning the city. Um, if, it, if we're really looking at a, a significant overhaul, um, with a form-based approach, um, perhaps holding off on some of these ordinances uh, would be needed to have them integrated in that larger code update. If not, then we can have some of these ordinances go on, uh, the parking, the density bonus separately. But um, uh, I think, yeah, it's de it depends on the extent of our ambitions with the planning development code. And first, like for Priority is just moving ahead with the general plan and getting that adopted and done. Um, and then we can turn to exciting changes to our code. Yeah, one, one thing at a time, fair, fair enough. Um, you mentioned just on the timing on that, though, I think in the report it was sort of like, 
everything has like Q4, right, for adoption, but I think you mentioned in your comments um, potentially slipping into 2025. Right, yeah, the larger uh, code update, yeah. Got it. I'm wondering, um, and this might be tricky to answer too, so I'm sorry for the hard questions, but I'm wondering, given the fact that it's an election year next year, um, and you potentially could see some turnover on council um, in the early part of 2025. Is there a risk if some of these things fall into 2025 that we would have to bring a new, new council up to speed and, and we might see significant delay if we're into 2025? Yes, potentially. Yep. Yeah, I mean, it's different council and yeah, they would need to be caught up to speed and be supportive of the changes in 2025. So yeah, I could see the the trade-offs. Okay. That's all the comments I had. I'll give my time. Thanks. Thank you, Commissioner Kaden. Next is Commissioner Zhang. Thank you, Chair. Um, so my question is regarding the um, educational campaign um, around um, affordable housing and infill development. Do you guys have any idea of what that might look like and what kind of key points we want to put out there to the public? Because um, in, one, in recent months here, we had the um, project, the um, Terrace Park project that came before the commission, and there were several comments about um, neighbors' concerns that with an influx of new housing that was going to increase um, crime rates or, or uh, deflation in property values. And um, being in my district, that kind of hurt me a little bit, <laughs> you know, those comments. And so I'm just wondering, like, what that educational piece might look like and how can we help to kind of push those ideas out there? Yeah, um, certainly I've, I've given this some thought in the last couple of days um, because uh, for even us, this commission and staff concept of infill development and what affordable housing is, I think we have a handle on it, but for the community, what is affordable housing? Uh, what does that mean? Who, who are, what people are you talking about? Is it home ownership? Is it just subsidized rental? Um, so certainly the campaign is gonna be involving social media, um, videos, but also a good educational component about just the overall planning process, how's thing, how things work. There's also parameters in state law, but, but yeah, just the benefit of affordable housing and infill and um, it's things we, we have to do, but uh, it's difficult to force that on people. I think it, it's getting to a common understanding of the benefits and how things work and what it actually looks like and who it's benefiting. Um, so uh, yeah, it's, I see like a, a planning academy, but more of a, a light touch planning academy with broader access. But um, we're still scoping it out and um, always happy to get suggestions on how to do it effectively. Thank you, Commissioner Zhang. Um, I have a few questions. Um, thanks again for all the work. Um, I love seeing the work program because it really shows us everything that you guys are touching and doing and it's a lot and sometimes it does take a lot of time and sometimes there are competing priorities but it's really great and I appreciate the Law and Ledge Committee too recommending breaking it up by policies. It's really helpful to look at it that way as well. Um, so kudos on, on, on that as well as the recognition for the ambassador program. I think that's really important. We put a lot of investment into that and um, to the questions that were asked earlier in terms of outreach to the community in particular with um, really going to them and hearing from them. Um, it looks like we are getting recognized for that. So um, really excited to, to 
see that the city's being recognized for that. Um, some of my questions um, have been just based on what was the, presented today and hearing other comments from my colleagues. Um, one that hasn't been raised yet is the, one of the initiatives that was directed by city council, um, and it seems like it's something that's sort of been in the back burner, but I'm curious, what does age-friendly mean in the age-friendly um, action plan? Um, in my mind, I'm wondering if the focus or scope is going to include age-restricted development. I'm also thinking back towards in my district where there's are pockets of neighborhoods that have um, older communities who wish to stay in their house, but the development around there is making it more challenging for them to live their normal daily lives. Um, so just wanted to get your thoughts on that. Yeah, I asked Matt if who's been more intimately involved with the public view draft, if you had any initial thoughts. We can also clarify in our subsequent report. Yeah, yeah, and so this is a partnership with AARP, and they have designations age-friendly community designations. And so the mayor submitted uh, to be an age-friendly uh, designated community. And we have to fully achieve that designation, maintain that designation. We have some requirements and that's the development of an age-friendly action plan. And it's centered around eight uh, domains of livability, which are outdoor spaces and buildings, transport, housing, social participation, respect and social inclusion, civic participation, employment, communication, information, and community support and health services. I did not have that memorized, so I had to look that up. Um, but so we are developing an action plan that we've worked with a lot of partners and stakeholders and um, our Disability Advisories Commission uh, over a few years now, and we are um, reconvening a lot of folks and we'll be uh, yeah, releasing the public review draft. But it is gonna be really focused on short-term actions that we can do over a year and a half to make our uh, community one that is accessible for everyone. Um, and, and uh, it'll be tying back to a lot of things we're doing in our general plan as well. We have a number of policies that are focused on our older residents. And so there'll be policies and actions that kind of talk back and forth between the action plan, which is more short-term, and the general plan, which is more long-term. Thank you. Very comprehensive. I appreciate that. And the information on the partnership with AARP. Thank you. Um, another question I have... Um, as we're hearing just sort of different priorities for commissioners here tonight, and something that I recall really wanting to focus on in the beginning of uh, joining the commission was um, taking a look at the, the high rate of vacancies for office and commercial in particularly the central city downtown area. Um, you know, one of the questions I would ask was, okay, great, we're doing a mixed income building, you know, what tenants can we have that are really going to serve the community on the ground floor? Um, obviously, there's been a lot of different challenges, not just economically. Um, Health-wise, COVID, there, it, this, the work environment is changing and different today um, in the central area. So um, welcome Commissioner's thoughts on this as well, um, as well as from staff in terms of either where is that being looked at in these various plans? Um, what are some projects, ideas, proposals, not just with potentially filling them with uh, or attracting and providing incentives to, to get more commercial or more community serving uh, services, but how can we convert them to housing, affordable housing or density or anything that, so that when we're walking downtown, we see more eyes on the streets, um, the streets are cleaned up and we can have um, 
just more beautification, as was mentioned earlier, in terms of um, our, our city here. Um, so I'll pause there and before I get to my last um, point in question, but would welcome your thoughts and ideas. Um, we have been looking uh, just at, uh, a lot of folks have, about um, converting offices to residential, and uh, the, often the issue is the large floor plates, access to light and air, um, there's been recent uh, publications on, on some of the changes you could do to these, these office buildings. Um, but I think uh, I'd like to give this some thought and follow up in our, our follow up in November. Um, I can share out some of the things that general plan's looking at, um, other strategies, policies uh, under consideration that are still in develop, being developed. And I'd like to talk about them now, but I, I want to. Uh, first brief some folks um, internally before we share that out. But yeah, absolutely, it's a it's a critical policy issue for our city right now. Great, thank you. Um, and my last question for staff um, for now is, you know, given all of these, just the scope of everything that we touch and this incredibly robust work program, Number one, I'm really happy to hear and see that uh, we are increasing our resources and staff um, because we definitely need it given um, how, how, um, uh, how much, given on how much that we're doing as a city, um, but would really appreciate your guys' thoughts and feedback, a little editorial in terms of like, of everything here, you know, what are you most proud of? What are you most looking forward to? Where do you need more assistance or guidance from mm -hmm. us? Or, um, you know, where do you see the challenges are going to be in the short term um, and or potentially your thoughts on if it's needed to reprioritize any of these issues and welcome again a, a discussion with with the commissioners up here and but want to hear your thoughts on on you know all, everything you've presented here so far absolutely um I, I accomplishment i really think getting the general plan public review draft out the master eir um it's a very ambitious document along with the climate action and adaptation plan and just the amount of internal outreach you do, we're doing with departments, um, with the city attorney's office, with the executive management to make sure the implementation of the plan is successful combined with um, the amount of regular public outreach we've been doing, the comments we've been getting, um, really making a good faith effort to respond to those comments and make changes. Um, that's something I'm, I'm really proud of, staff. And I'm, I'm also excited about the different planners that have just been growing in their project management skills. Um, there's just been a lot of things that have been cooking that are now gonna be coming to the commission, um, the well thought out, uh, plans, documents, just seeing the mixed income housing ordinance as well as the um, elect building electrification strategy that same night, great project managers. So a lot of just staff development that's been, has been happening um, in the last couple of years. Um, so there's just a ridiculous amount of talented planners um, on our staff. Um, Kevin's staff, Jamie, and I'm excited about the new senior planner coming on board. Um, so our, our capacity to get things done is increasing with the staff capacity 
also with the adoption of the general plan, there's gonna be a lot of subsequent adoptions of other things, the parks plan, the urban forest plan, age-friendly action plan, Stockton Boulevard, a lot of things are gonna be finally completed uh, so we can turn our attention to other policy initiatives. So um, with that also, just with the direction of the general plan giving us that support, uh, we can, it's, it's gonna be, yeah, going to be exciting in terms of uh, planning in the future. So, um, of course, yeah, I'd, I'd love another senior planner to help with housing um, because that, that definitely seems like a, a critical policy initiative by the council. It's like number one, that and homelessness. Um, but, of course, climate as well. Um, so, yeah, we're taking on a lot of, of big things and we have a lot of good, talented people to work on them. That's hard to follow, and I, I agree. I mean, yeah, um, yeah, I definitely was proud of just the collective team and um, the passion for the work, and I just, you know, appreciate the direction of the commission and the council to be able to give us, you know, the ability to, to move these things forward. I think, you know, looking at next year, I think it's gonna be a critical year for really identifying sustainable funding sources for housing and affordable housing. I know the council's really focused on that. A few things that'll be coming your way We'll be focused on that in terms of the mixed income housing ordinance and potential uh, vacant property tax and, and, and others. Um, because that, you know, from a planning perspective, I know there's a few things we can do, but we have done a whole lot around making it easier um, and cheaper to build housing. And so it really a lot of it comes down to, uh, to funding and, and really trying to be creative about how we can get more deed restricted regulated for help affordable housing units built. So I think that's gonna be a, a lot of what we're trying to do, even around the missing middle, which you'll hear about in two weeks, in terms of really making those units attainable, but also really trying to encourage that long-term affordability as well. So that's that's gonna be one of the, uh, my areas of focus for, for next year once we get this general plan adopted. Thank you. <laughs> okay, Kevin, I'll... <laughs> I don't get to work on the, the fun policy stuff like Matt does so much, so. <laughs> Part of what I'm excited about in the next month is really below the radar, for, I think, for a lot of the public is um, half of my team is on the ground answering all the questions about planning and zoning, and we're launching a new uh, communication software. We're going to use Salesforce instead of Outlook to answer inquiries so we can understand from a data perspective, what are people asking about, what are the trends, how many inquiries are we getting, you know, how, where are they? <laughs> happening, you know, just to be a little smarter and hopefully serve the public a lot better. Love data. Thank you. Thank you, guys. Um, next, we have Commissioner Boyd. Thank you, Chair. Um, go? Well, let me try that again. I was listening. Yeah. Good evening. I was listening to the, your presentation on the way here until the, uh, uh, my connection stopped. But uh, I did get through, I um, was able to uh, watch most of it. But I, I want to follow up on a, a couple of uh, questions that were previously asked by um, commissioners here. Um, I'll try and work in reference to uh, what was answered last, uh, going backwards, if I can find my spot. Um, um, the 
answer you gave um, when Commissioner Chase was asking about uh, form-based planning and uh, you stated something was coming up on the 12th. I'm sorry. That, was, that is our uh, missing metal housing study. Uh, a lot of the findings, analysis we've done, um, and then some of our initial recommendations for the commission to consider before we, um, well, we take it to council, get their confirmation, and then we start looking at ordinance changes. Thank you. That's somewhere where I guess my connection was lost. Uh, appreciate that. Um, and the, the uh, in your presentation, you had mentioned the grant of $13 million um, for uh, assisting with or for inf infrastructure for infield build. How much additional monies actually will be needed to meet um, or expect to be needed to accommodate the infrastructure um, connections based upon the projections of infill? That's a good question. I think we can, the 2009 general plan update, uh, we did that analysis and I believe it was over a billion dollars. I'm sorry, how much? Billion dollars, B. Um, that said, a lot of infrastructure um, that's required, offsite infrastructure, are paid for by developers. So um, I think what, what the benefit of this green means go, these, this grant, um, there's money in the state for, uh, not enough, for transportation infrastructure as well as the federal government. But there's not a lot of money for the wet utilities, the sewer, the water, the drainage. Um, and sometimes the cost of that infrastructure is unpredictable, which is why we're modeling drainage basins, or just too much. The project just can't bear it and it doesn't pencil out. And so when we're looking at brainstorming projects uh, for this Green Means Go program is bang for your buck, the type of infrastructure that can serve like a good chunk of the river district, like the sump pump or a stretch of Del Paso Boulevard that if put in really reduces the costs um, of development. And so if we can be more proactive in that, um, if this pilot program can be, become something that the state can regularly finance, um, it'll help make uh, infill more feasible. Appreciate that. I'm using 2022 numbers in regards to developer fees that were um, received by the city versus developer fees that were waived by the city for said um, need. Would you say, what percentage would you say were waived, developer fees waived in, in, um, in regards to the infill, or excuse me, the uh, infrastructure that was needed? I don't know in, in proportion to what all the other market rate developments were paying. Um, that's an interesting question. Uh, in, in the overall fee program, that would take some time to look into. Um, with that said, that, that those waived fees were reimbursed by the general fund, so we've made those fee programs whole. And then council is allocating $3 million starting this year uh, for next year or this year's waivers for affordable housing. Um, 
it's it's been a successful program. It's helped to leverage more financing for affordable housing development because those developers can point to those fee waivers as a local match or a local subsidy. So um, it has helped encourage more affordable housing development and also some market developers have taken another look at providing affordable housing because of the, the fee waiver benefits. So um, if largely, yes, there's the, anyways, there's, there's no loss in um, infrastructure capacity as a result of the, the program. Thank you for that. Uh, as you said, no loss, but the loss would be uh, funding coming out of the general fund. So that means monies that were earmarked for something else would be reduced and or significantly significantly reduced or uh, completely taken from to accommodate the um, developer fees that were waived. So my not my opinion, but the actuality is there is a loss. Um, so the citizens of Sacramento are f uh, facing in regards to whatever those um, that those fundings were going to go to in giving a developer uh, waiving their impact fees. But um, moving on to my next question, um, well, actually, as you, I just want to finish up real quick on that. As you stated, uh, the city plans to put forward $3 million towards the waiving of uh, impact fees. And again, I believe the number you gave was a billion would. Oh, that's just the total well, infrastructure. I'm understanding. Needs, yeah, the, the, the $3 million is for just uh, any fee waivers in the next fiscal year that they will reimburse. Right, but just wanted to just point out the that $3 million, I, I would happily take it, trust me on that one, but in, in the big picture of what that really accommodates of need in regards to funding for in, uh, infill infrastructure. Um, just, uh, or moving on to uh, my next question, the um, permits in 2022 for ADUs, I believe, um, um, Matt had stated 280 were uh, filed. I believe issued? Or issued, excuse me. Yes, Matt, was it, that it? The 200? I'm pulling up the exact number right now. Oh, okay. But, yeah. but pretty, pretty close. And then, but Greg, I, um, I wasn't sure if you were saying 350 so far have been applied for here in 2023, or is it 350? is a total number between 2022 and 2023 for uh, ADU permits. I'm not sure which, if, if Matt was citing the calendar year. Um, we usually approve more than the, that are actual built, or all, we always approve right. more ADUs than are actually built um, for whatever reason. Some people decide not to move ahead and, and build. Well, let me go back to Matt. Sure. So, then, so the numbers, um, the 280 was permits that were given. For you to use in 2022. Yeah, and, that was and, uh, so the exact numbers, Commissioner, are in 2022 we received 367 planning applications for ADUs, and then we issued building permits for 224, and that was 2022. It's going to look a little bit different in 2023 because of the state law and how we're transitioning right into the building permit, uh, but we do anticipate uh, to to meet or exceed that number. Fantastic. Um, just because I'm curious. Do you guys have a breakdown of um, mobile ADUs versus permanent ADUs in those uh, totals that were permitted from last year and so far for 2023? 
We currently do not permit ADUs on wheels or mobile ADUs. Um, but we are looking to allow those, uh, working on ordinance to permit those right now. But they have to be on a foundation with um, permanent hookups to sewer and water utilities right now. Thank you. That's what, when, when you were stating earlier, um, it wasn't clicking all the way for me, but thank you for clarifying that. Uh, I believe I just have one more question. Um, this is a question that's going to go for, uh, uh, addressed to you, but also the city attorney's off, um, office may be able to chime in as well. When the city designates a parcel uh, of land for suitable for uh, let's say 100% afford, uh, affordable housing. The, um, in affordable housing, not to be confused with affordability, affordability is the being able to purchase said affordable housing. But uh, so I'll start again. The, the city uh, designates a parcel of land for uh, suitable for 100% affordable housing. And upon um, this, uh, and, and upon the, uh, excuse me, and upon the site in, I can't read my own writing, upon the site that, uh, that is required default density or greater. Here's my question. As far as I know, there isn't a city code, code or law that states a developer has to abide and build the affordable housing on that lot after the upzone. So we upzone a, a parcel of land as for, uh, for affordable housing, but a developer comes in and says, yeah, no, I'll buy the land and I'm going to develop at market or above market rate. So what can, it's the obvious question, what does the city of Sacramento need to do now to stop such a thing from happening? Well, I would like to clarify that, and we're talking about the regional housing needs allocation and, and the land inventory and the housing element where we need to identify sufficient capacity to meet those that need for affordable housing um, that were allocated by the state. And so, yeah, we've designated sites that um, uh, have capacity for affordable housing. We have not upzoned any of those sites. Those, that was just utilizing the current zoning capacity with that said, um, no one is prohibit or if someone wants to build market rate housing on that site, they're allowed to do so. However, under state law, we need to track that lost capacity for affordable housing and see what it has done to our inventory. We have a surplus in our inventory of sites designated for affordable housing that go beyond our actual allocation. But once we start to eat up that surplus, we will need to rezone sites to create additional capacity or designate, uh, find other sites that can have, uh, have that capacity. So um, we do have findings in our staff reports um, and our very own Greta Seuss uh, keeps track of development of these sites in the, in the housing element, indicating the housing element, whether it's affordable or, or market rate. Um, to make, continue to make the finding that we still have adequate capacity for affordable housing because the housing element is, is not something that requires affordable housing to be built, but it's a state requirement to have capacity um, and zoning 
to accommodate the affordable housing need. Right, and I appreciate that. So as any person that was looking to make the greatest ROI um, um, from their capital, I am going to build market or above market rate um, in the most affordable areas. So which the most affordable areas here in the Sacramento, uh, city of Sacramento, as it is in most places, are in the uh, lower income um, communities and or uh, neighborhoods. So I come in and instead of looking to ease the burden of not having affordable, uh, the affordable at, which would be affordability, low income housing, those communities are, can see development of at or above market rate housing to which it helps no one from that community who cannot afford affordable or uh, above market rate, or excuse me, uh, um, at market or above market rate housing. So that is why I asked the question, what can the city of Sacramento do to ensure uh, any designated area, again, it's just an it's the uh, finding the designated areas to uh, accommodate the arena needs from um, very low, low and at and above market rate housing need through arena. But what can the city of Sacramento do, or is there anything that the city of Sacramento can do? I'm looking more at the attorney's office than I am at you, um, to ensure that affordable, which are at affordability, i.e. at the 30% uh, AMI, would have to be built in those designated low and very low income areas. I'm a, that was addressed to the city attorney versus you, Greg. This is a highly regulated area of the law, so I would be um, hesitant to opine <laughs> without looking at this, but it's highly regulated. We don't have a lot of movement. The law is exactly as Greg said it is. We have our land inventory. We must allow enough sites to make sure housing can be built, and if we don't have enough sites, we need to rezone more. Um, Beyond that, we, we would need to do additional analysis as well as quantify the problem if this, you know, if this is something you guys are seeing often and that we would need to address. But I would not be comfortable opining right now. I appreciate that. And to, you, to your statement, so we would just continue to upzone to meet the arena um, need for low-income affordable housing. So we just keep, oh, here's some more land. So we'll just keep up zoning. We'll just keep up zoning while the potential of non-affordable housing are being built, i.e. at market and above market rate housing continues to be built. So we just keep saying, basically kicking the can down the road. I just wanted to get that off my chest. But um, 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 to last question. Chair Hernandez had asked in regards, um, I'm trying to bring back the thought. You know, let me let me ask this. I believe you had the, you had asked the question in regards to the future. Here he goes. In your district, uh, persons that are well established in the district may, for lack of a greater term, be priced out of their own neighborhood simply because of the greater values 
of the area with new development that's coming in, i.e. because of higher property taxes, um, so forth, so on. Taking that part of the question is with this rush mindset to continue to bring, or excuse me, of uh, want to, to bring more, uh, to build more housing uh, here in the city of Sacramento, I'm almost dumbfounded when projections, current projections aren't being addressed for population growth here in the state of California, which the chief demographic demographer for the state of California has uh, stated the growth through 2041 is at 0.02% down from a somewhat uh, uh, estimates as high as population growth th through 2041 as 0.08%. That's flatlining. And yet we keep hearing this, we need more housing, we need more housing. Okay, but the population continues to decrease. And as I just stated, and I've given you the numbers, um, I was going through my phone to find his name in an email, but uh, it'll come to me um, um, probably as soon as I stop speaking. But so I put that out there for everybody to understand, help me understand population in the state of California to which we're included. Every city is, you know, has its own aspect of um, growth. And you look at the exiting of business throughout the state, Sacramento included, and then you f try and find places where one can afford to live. Uh, Sacramento used to be one of those spots, but you know, our cost is as great as uh, most cities. You look down the road, 86 miles in San Francisco, what do you have? Low occupancy buildings, and okay, so folks are like, well, let's convert those into housing. So by 2041, what will you have? Low occupancy housing, why? Because you're, the necessities of what is needed to continue to live have gone. Look at the retail and uh, um, uh, corporations that are abandoning San Francisco. I'm using San Francisco versus Sacramento, apples and oranges in regards to population. But just a greater picture of actuality. But we keep hearing this mantra, we need more housing. And Gustavo, uh, head of HCD, I believe that was last week in his letter uh, out, um, touting Governor Newsom's 2.5 million housing units needed in this uh, current um, housing cycle. But I think I'm more ranting than asking a question. But it, again, I'm just dumbfounded of, of that drum that continues to be beaten when the actuality is, is show me where you got your data points and you've created this equation so I can look at it and go, okay, I can see where, you know, Rena came and, and got their uh, totals. I have yet to see any of those variable, uh, data points and, uh, and variables from Rena. And as many times it's, as it's been asked, HCD hasn't relinquished that information. So I'm just ranting. But thank you for your time, Chair. Thank you, Commissioner Boyd. Next we have Commissioner... Chase? Great. 
Chairman Greg, going through the staff report in preparation for the hearing and then going through your presentation, which was superb, I was reminded of a, an excellent movie that I had seen some years ago titled Curitiba, A Convenient Truth. Some folks here may have seen that. Uh, it reminded me, the innovation is a, a city in Brazil, southern Brazil, that had all kinds of issues, affordable housing issues, flood control, transportation, uh, and not that I'm biased, but the mayor happened to be an architect at that time. There were engineers, you know, uh, uh, heading up other departments in the city, and they came together to look at really innovative solutions to problems that are similar to what we're dealing with here. It reminded me, I want to go back and rewatch it again because it was, it was so meaningful. And I, I would recommend, uh, you know, uh, kind of part of Planning 101 to, uh, to put uh, that film in there. Uh, it's just, just superb. Take a look. Thank you, Commissioner Chase. Commissioner Lemus. Thank you, Chair. I'm kind of in the same thought process here with that Affordable Housing Academy. I um, am excited to hear that that is something the city's looking at. I uh, work for the Department of Housing and Community Development, so it's always appreciated to hear um, the city's efforts to, to venture into affordable housing in different capacities. Um, and part of that is um, the education piece. I'm also a graduate of the Planet Academy and the City Management Academy, and those were very well-run programs. So I'm excited to see how this is gonna turn out. I think it's gonna be great. Um, I know it probably goes without saying, but um, the Sacramento Housing Alliance does an annual bus tour, and they take folks um, to different affordable housing properties and showcase them, talk about uh, different components um, of those uh, developments and what it took to build them, and the resident services, very, very um, comprehensive um, bus tour here in the Sacramento area. And then there's also the California Coalition for Rural Housing. They have like a training institute where they um, train interns, some from UC Davis, some Sac State, different cities, um, on affordable housing development. And so those might be two nonprofit groups that might be able to provide some input as you guys look to develop that program. Thank you. Thank you, Commissioner Lamas. Next, we have Commissioner Kaden. Thanks, sir. And, um, you know, hearkening back to your, your comments earlier about just trying to set priorities, and there's a lot of things on the on the table here and, and um, you know, limited time and, and staffing. I, I think I just wanted to, to make my thoughts clear, which are that to me, the general plan update is of course happening early, that's the first priority, and then the implementation of that general plan update, which as you mentioned is we're biting off a lot with this plan. This is a somewhat generational like plan, it seems like for the city of Sacramento. Um, we're making larger changes than we have in probably the last few few general plan updates, right? So, um, and it's been a really long update process, right? When did we start this, 2019, 2020? I know, I remember being in the council chambers when we um, adopted the key strategies in January 21. And to kind of hear that there's the potential here for slippage into 2025 for you know getting to ultimately implement the plan through the zoning code update and potentially far into 25 if you have um you know new council members and bringing people up to speed and all of that that seems like a shame and you know i think um we heard earlier from public testimony about kind of the the need for for urgency here um i think we do need a lot more housing i think that is a huge priority for this city um 
I, I think this general plan helps accomplish that, and I think it should be our number one, two, and three priority to try to get through that in, the, in this upcoming work plan. So um, I just wanted to, to mention that, that I think if we can, if it's possible to, to prioritize uh, the workload such that we can get through the zoning code update in calendar year 2024, I think that should be a priority. Thank you, Commissioner Caden. Seeing no other commenters in the queue, uh, we will pause there. And um, thank you very much. You have um, comments and questions from the commission that uh, you can take back and discuss further. Appreciate that. No action is required on this item. We're not taking a vote. It's for um, discussion only. Um, so we will move on to, bless you, item number three, if we're ready. So thank you, Greg. Thank you, Matt. Thank you, Kevin. Um, item number three is the 2023 Planning and Design Commission Annual Report, M23-006, and Stacia, whenever you're ready. Thank you, Chair. Pleased to be presenting to the Commission tonight uh, the annual report. And so by way of background, in March of this year, City Council adopted its Rules of Procedure document, which among other things established an annual report requirement for all city boards and commissions. And the goal of this annual report requirement is to make sure that all boards and commissions are able to communicate their accomplishments and their priorities. The report is reviewed by, first by the commission itself, then by the personnel and public employees or PMPE committee, and then on to city council as a receive and file item. So that's its path. Um, so the item on the agenda this evening is for review and comment only. Staff has provided a draft of the report for your review and we're soliciting your feedback. Then what I'll do is I'll take your comments, return in November on the November 9th commission meeting with the final draft of the report for your formal recommendation. The draft report that you have in your staff report follows a template that was provided by the city clerk's office that's been reviewed and approved by PMPE and by the city council. So you're gonna see some very similar types of formats for the annual reports amongst all the boards and commissions. So I wanna take an opportunity just to walk you through what's currently in the annual report and then hopefully um, be able to hear your feedback on it. So if you want to go ahead and take a look in um, the staff report packet, I'm gonna start on page three of the annual report where it has a list of the purpose of the Planning and Design Commission as well as the powers and duties of the commission. And this is um, text taken from Title II of the city code where, where each uh, commission has its duties listed. I included a description of the annual planning and zoning work program because um, as we mentioned before in Greg's presentation, the Planning and Design Commission already does sort of a, an annual review of what's being worked on, what's to anticipate in the following year. So I wanted to make sure to include that in the annual report for decision makers to be able to read and take a look at. But I'll move on to the 2023 highlights and accomplishments. So in this section, I went back through all the work that the commission has done to date in this calendar year. Obviously, we're not done yet, so some of it is projected, what I know is coming up on future agendas, um, but it will be updated as we move through towards the November um, final draft. This year, 
Um, by the end of the year, I believe we will have completed over 50 items on the agendas. Um, that's over 20 meetings, which is quite a lot of reading of staff reports on everyone's part. Um, it's, the work has been divided almost 50-50 between private projects, so people coming in asking for entitlements in order to build something or, or do something, um, versus policy items um, like what we heard tonight, all of the stuff that's on the work program. If we take a look just at the current planning items, the majority of the work has been conditional use permits and rezone requests that the commission has heard. Um, the, the CUPs that the commission hears are um, typically more kind of controversial uses like um, cannabis near sensitive uses, um, alcohol sales, whether it's um, on-site or off-site sales, uh, drive-through restaurants and, and such. The rezones, taking a little bit of a deeper dive, I think we'll finish the year with nine of those recommendations to council to rezone property. Six of those have been related to residential projects in order to enable um, those residential projects to move forward, and the other three have been related to, or and two have not come yet, but um, would be related to commercial uses. There's been one appeal this year from the director level um, that was, if you'll recall, the electric fence along Florin Road, which was a director decision. Um, and so that appeal came before the commission. That's the only one that we have had so far this year. I, um, as I was writing this presentation, I thought maybe something else we might want to include in the annual report would maybe be to identify that we have had um, five brand new commissioners this year, um, which is a good number of brand new commissioners. So we want to welcome them and maybe identify them in the annual report. Um, as well as we have made some other shifts um, in commission operations to meet the, the council's new rules of procedure. Um, for example, our election of chair and vice chair has normally been at our meeting in July. That's been that way for as long as I can remember, and now we've shifted to um, annually, so at the beginning of the year, and going for the, for the calendar year for our elections. I um, included on the table uh, within the staff report a list of all of the agenda items that the count the commission um, either the commission as a whole or commission members have participated in that are part of last year's work program so as you're seeing some kind of some of this work come forward um, Greg's presentation covered quite a lot that the commission maybe hasn't been involved in um, yet or has been to some capacity but these are the items that have been listed uh, listed here are items that have come before the commission with an, a description of the activity and the date that they were heard. If you get down to number 11, you'll see that's where um, I start um, anticipating some items that are coming up on upcoming agendas. And um, that will take us through to our special meeting that's now scheduled for November 29th um, on the general plan. So, um, the next section is the 2023 Commission Resources section. This is another section that's kind of a template in the, in the overall report that talks about um, the number of meetings that the Commission has had. Um, overall, we'll finish the year. It, at this point, it was 19. It will be 20 now that we have the special meeting. The meetings typically last an hour and a half, so we're supposed to report out on that. Um, we have a listing of all the staff that we typically use um, here. Um, just in the meeting, 
and also a, an accounting of the stipends for commissioners where we were all the commissioners to take their meeting stipends each meeting and we had all 13 commissioners, this is the amount that would be um, the cost of the commission in terms of stipends. Um, so finally, the last section of the report is the 2024 projects, priorities, and objectives for consideration. Um, in terms of identifying commission priorities, what I'd like to recommend is that we utilize the annual work program that we just discussed um, to represent what we anticipate that the commission will be addressing in the new year. And as we've seen, there are a lot of projects on deck um, reflecting council priorities, general plan implementation, and process improvements. And certainly there will be many more private development project applications that will be coming forward um, in the new year. So um, next steps, we heard from, from, um, from Greg, the work program is going to go to law and legislation committee. It'll go to council for adoption, hopefully in January. So what I'd like to do is recommend attaching that adopted work program to this annual report once it's completed um, and then taking that to PNPE in the new year. Uh, both, both of these items will be back before you on November 9th. Um, and so any comments or suggestions that you have for, for me for the annual report will be incorporated into the document for that November 9th draft. And that's it. I'm uh, looking forward to hearing your comments and suggestions. Thank you. Thank you very much, Stacia. We will first open up the public comment period. Um, so if anyone in the public has comments on this item, we recommend you fill out a speaker slip and come up to the microphone if there are any members of the public who wish to speak on this item. Hearing and seeing none, Heather? Chair, we have no speaker slips for this item. Okay, great. So we'll close the public comment period and bring the discussion back to the dais. Commissioners, any questions for Stacia, comments, or otherwise? Commissioner Lemus. Thank you, Chair. Thank you for the presentation, Stacia. Um, I think this is good. I think um, it's a good uh, overview of what we were able to accomplish and what we hope to accomplish for the remaining um, months that we have together. I, I know one question that I that I sometimes think about is what happened with the decisions we made, right? Did they get built out or not, or just what the status is? But in thinking like logistically or administratively, it'd probably be difficult to have that report done by the end of the calendar year or like, to include something like that by the end of the calendar year because you're trying to incorporate it and get all the approvals prior to then. But, um, but if there's some some way to somehow reference some, you know, what happened to projects, even if maybe it's for a certain time period, I think that may, might be kind of neat. Yeah. Anyway, I yield my time. Thank you. Thank you, Commissioner Lemus. Vice Chair Wallace. Thanks, Chair. I have a similar question. Um, <laughs> to what uh, I would recommend, um, to the extent that it's practicable, including the performance measures for the staff um, to provide a con like so you said um, there were nine uh, policy actions or I can't remember the numbers now it was 50-50 policy versus uh, private actions and I liked that <laughs> and so sort of um, a breakdown on staff time about that too to kind of give people some context for the amount of effort it takes to get everything done because we both, we have to balance our policy needs with also getting the work done day to day. 
So the amount of staff time that goes into um, preparing those items for commission? Yeah, exactly. Thank you, Vice Chair Wallace. Um, thank you, Stacia. I have a clarifying question um, in terms of the process. So this, the work program that we just saw in item number two is going to be attached to this. The work program and this annual report will come back to us, and then they'll both concurrently go to PMPE and then City Council. Excuse me, no. One is going to Lawn Ledge. Sorry, can you help me under clarify that? Yeah, yeah, that's, sorry, that, um, it's a little tricky because, yes, we, we do currently have the work program, which we've been doing for a couple of years now, and that goes to law and legislation because they're the, really the group that deals with ordinances, and that's what primarily where that work is, and then it goes to council. The annual report has a requirement to go to PMPE. So what I'm suggesting is that the work program goes ahead, goes to we both come back on the 9th for a recommendation. Then the work program goes forward to Law and Ledge and the annual report just sort of waits until it completes its journey to Law and Ledge and then to council in January. And then that completed work program gets attached to our annual report and then we go to PMPE for review and then to council. So conceivably the annual report might not wrap up until I guess February or March depending on how the PMPE calendar lays out because they don't always have meetings each month. And then thank you. So in that process, do they provide comments, feedback? Do they uh, shape either report? I've, I've watched a couple, of the, not a lot of boards and commissions have come forward to do their annual reports yet and I've watched and there are suggestions or con the, I think the council members who sit on PMPE are very engaged and so they do make comments and um, I guess we would have to see. Oh yeah, it's all the new process on the annual report. Um, okay, that was my only question. Commissioner Chase. Uh, thank you. Um, I was reminded as uh, Commissioner Lamas was speaking about the, uh, wondering about the success or what happens with projects. I, was, I couldn't help but think of the uh, the cannabis project somewhere down in South Sacramento that was adjacent to a uh, rehab center. And, you know, it was who came first, I guess. And it was kind of a, you know, pretty controversial. I'm curious, it seemed like I saw in the newspaper that because of the time delay, the cannabis uh, uh, applicant lost the funding or the backing there. But it would be interesting to see, some, uh, you know, some uh, follow-up, I guess, you know, to things that we have been involved in and, and uh, you know, and approved. Uh, Thank you. I yield. Just a, a comment on that. Maybe that could be part of the presentation. I don't know if it necessarily, we can discuss that if you want it to be, that follow-up to be a part of each actual, like, documented annual report, or maybe it's part of the presentation that staff gives as follow-up. You know, looking back on the previous year, here's a rundown of maybe some of where we are with some of the projects. Um, actually, it would be kind of interesting. I, I would enjoy looking back. So I'll think about how that could be done. Like a director's report at the end of the year that would kind of? Kind of with the, with the preparation of each annual report, like the re this oh. review and comment, mm -hmm. maybe because I'm keeping a list of everything you're taking in action on. So, you know, looking back and seeing 
where where some of those higher profile or more controversial projects ended up. Just anecdotally, I, I like that you're interested in what happens to them. Yeah. Great. Thank you, Commissioner Chase. Thank you, Stacia. Hearing and seeing no other commissioner comments or questions, uh, this act, this item does not require a vote. It's for review and comment only, so we'll continue on the agenda. Uh, next, we have commissioner comments. Commissioners, do you have any ideas, questions, uh, things you'd like to report for the greater good? Um, commissioner Boyd. Thank you, Chair. Um, yes, I just wanted to, uh, as I said, I would find it as soon as I started speaking earlier in my comments. Um, I just wanted to to, to clear um, the chief de uh, demographer, his name is Walter Schwarm, and I just wanted to make certain that my numbers were right. I was off a little. Uh, the population growth will fall per uh, Walter Schwarm to an average of 0.27% down from previous projects, uh, excuse me, projections as high as 0.8%. I just wanted to clarify and the um, with the state California state of California population uh, peaking at 40.2 million people in 2044 I believe I said 41 and uh, it will decline after that so I wanted to wrap that part up and I just clarify that but also uh, my comment is um, um, today I guess also we got lucky but with the that's not luck but the with the absence of commissioners there is elbow room so I think I brought this up, I think it to, maybe it was to Jacob. If we, for the health and safety and comfort of commissioners, board members, and committee members, if we could go back to um, the dais as being as it was prior to the pandemic and have the attorney's office, the city uh, clerk's office come from behind the dais and go back to using the desk and anyone wanting uh, or needing a desk to speak, of course, would could sit at the reserve seats if there's more than one speaker, and they could use the lectern and the desk at the lectern instead of this desk. Um, again, for the health and safety of commissioners and just for the comfort as we're paying attention to what is being discussed during um, commissioner commissions, board meetings, and committee meetings. I just wanted to put that forward. And Stacia, I've looked through a few older um, meetings and I couldn't figure out where you were, if you were always here or not. <laughs> but as far as uh, the clerk's office and the attorney's office, they were always uh, from behind the dais. Thank you, Chair. Thank you, Commissioner Boyd. I appreciate the comments and consideration of health and safety and also uh, your clarification for the record on the demo demographer for the, those numbers were for the state of California. Yeah. Thank you. Uh, Commissioner Lamas. So I, I believe you mentioned that we can make just general announcements for the community. Okay. So um, I'd like to mention to everyone that there's a Celebrate Natomas happening in South Natomas, uh, September 30th, um, the South Natomas Community Library on Truxel. So for those that want to come by, uh, check out vendors, food trucks, a beer garden, uh, bounce houses for kids, and community resources. It's going to be from 12 to 4 p.m. Thank you. My time. Thank you so much, Commissioner Lemus. Seeing no other commissioners in the queue, we will move on to public comments, matters that are not on the agenda. So this would be the time where anyone from the public can come up and speak on anything that we didn't raise today. Um, so I'll just pause for a moment if there are any members of the public who wish to come up to the podium. Um, 
Thank you, Chair. We have one speaker slip in chambers. Please go ahead. Um, hi, I had one more thing that I, I had written down that I forgot that I wanted to also mention. So I was walking around SAC the other day and I was looking at all the parking meters and one thing that really clicked in my mind is no one carries around 20 quarters in their pocket anymore because that's how much parking is. So I was wondering, and they're also kind of like an eyesore and most people use Park Mobile at this point. So I was wondering if there's a way to possibly, this is kind of a radical, but I think it's also like a reasonable radical um, idea, but to get rid of all the parking meters and then just have like nice, have like one or two signs for the block that say like Park Mobile, like to pay for parking and then change because you still have electricity um, where those parking stations are and almost turn them into like put like plaques down like the hall like in um sorry but in like Nashville Tennessee they have the walks um with like all the stars on them or like in Hollywood they have like the stars on the ground so I was thinking it would be kind of cool if you put like plaques on top of where the parking meters were that like light up at night of like people who've made like a positive impact on Sacramento and it would be just just be a really cool way to um, acknowledge members in the community, but also beautify Sacramento and also get rid of an eyesore because people don't carry around 20 quarters in their pockets. So, yeah. Anyways. Thank you. Appreciate your comments um, and would um, ask that you, you help us out by filling out a speaker slip so we can put your name in the record for those comments as well. Um, Commissioner Chase, do you have? Thank you. Thank you. Um, I'd like to thank our our public member here with her optimism and idealism. It's really a pleasure to see it, and uh, we wish we could probably implement, you know, much of what you'd like to see. Give us time. You know, perhaps the city can get there. But thank you very much for those thoughts. So. Ditto. Thank you. Thank you, Commissioner Chase. Um, seeing no other uh, commenters for public comments, um, that concludes today's meeting, and it stands adjourned at 731.